It's the final hour. The fan morning show before game two of the first round series before the between, rather, Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs. Trust yourself. And talking about trust and confidence. Things of that nature all morning long. Is this a mental block, Ailish Forfar? What do you need to feel God. or to see to feel confident again? I need that first five minutes to be the best five minutes of Maple Leafs hockey this season. You got nothing but opportunity at hand, and you better go out there and grasp it, Justin. It's got to look different, right? It's got to look a little different because the well, playoffs. It can't look like yeah, uh, Tuesday or. Yeah, Tuesday. The playoffs are a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Playoffs are different, so you need to be different. The Maple Leafs need to be different if they're going to even the series because that baseline regular season level, probably not going to cut it against the Tampa Bay Lightning. To discuss that and more, we have our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is Mike Rupp, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champion, and now an NHL network analyst and co-host of the That's Hockey Talk podcast. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing okay. A little nervous energy maybe in this this room, in this building. Uh, (laughs) You know, there's been a lot of emotion over the last 48 hours. So we'll ask you for your emotion. Not that it's overly emotional, but when you saw the Toronto Maple Leafs do what they did in game one, what's your prevailing thought? Um, I I mean, I I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised at how that game played out. Um, You know, I thought that this is a... a team that has shown a lot in, in the Leafs this year as far as kind of they understand and they've been pretty even keel throughout the year and, and have addressed things I feel like the right way and um, they've had a great opportunity probably their best opportunity as far as the build of their team in the playoffs and I just I, I think that there's there's always been excitement and a little maybe a little jittery or anxiousness to start a playoff series and in, in the first game of round one, you see it across the league. I've felt it uh, as a player and I just thought that they would have responded a little bit better as far as their game one performance. And, and they didn't. And Tampa kind of, um, you know, they got some early offense going and, and kind of went from there. So I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. This is a team that I think is certainly loaded and uh, I'm more interested to see how they, they start game two and how how much better they'll be in game two because I think they will be. Yeah, it's a it's a seven game series. Uh, it can be a seven game series, and this is only game two, so there's a bounce back opportunity. I wonder, in your perspective, as someone that has won a Stanley Cup, I'm sure you've gotten be- behind in a series before. You've needed a bounce back opportunity. What needs to change? Is it a flush it situation? They go in there yesterday for their practice in between two games and say, you know what, we can't get much worse. So <laughs> why don't we just go out there and do everything on the opposite end of the spectrum? And is that led by your leaders, your coach, or just like a full collective um, approach to tonight's game? Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's a great point. It's a, I would almost in in losing in the playoffs, and bear with me on this because it sometimes yeah, hopefully it'll make some sense. Uh, sometimes losing in a pretty, I guess, demonstrative way is better than the double overtime loss. Right. I mean, it's easier for you in the playoffs to be like, you know what? We weren't good enough. Like we'll flush that thing. We know that's not us. We've got another opportunity here in 48 hours to, to rewrite that script and get a better taste in our mouth. And that is a little easier to digest than 
than that double overtime or overtime loss where you're you're replaying every little detail of the game. Oh, man, if I would have done this or, if, man, if this part would have worked out this way. You know what I'm saying? It, it gives you a better a better um, chance at being able to flush it and just move it on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's part of it. You don't need to beat yourself down. I think that you sit there and Sheldon Keefe and company, you're – then you know your team's better than that. And the guys in that room know, yeah, I don't even know if you really need to say much, right? So, um, you know, I, I think that that's kind of it. Just just move on and, and get ready for game two. We've been talking about flipping the switch for years because it seems like, you know, fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs are always waiting for this team to flip the switch. But you look around the league, like Florida Panthers going toe-to-toe with the Boston Bruins and how different, and not different because Matthew Kachuk might be getting a, a Hart Trophy nomination this year, but just the level being raised across the board. Leon Dreisettle being an absolute monster for the Edmonton Oilers. All these players around the league raising their level. Now, you know, whether team it's on the team to do that, on the coach, on specific players, whatever. But, like, in your experience, are there guys that simply can't do that, that can't reach a next level? Or is this, like, situational? And it depends on the fabric of the room or the coaching staff or whatever, uh, you know, sort of leadership has been installed. Are there, just, are there guys that really, really struggle to adapt to the changes that the postseason does present? So there's, there's, and I, I don't know if it's very, if it's very evident all the time when I was playing, but I mean, there, there is times where, you know, there, there's players in moments and situations, not that they back off or not that they crumble under pressure, but I don't know if they really want the puck on their stick. Like they want to be a part of what's happening, but they don't want to um, have that pressure of making the play. And I think that there's a, there's a psyche that goes into that. I mean, hey, I've, I've used this example many times. I played in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, it's clear as day who you want to have the puck on, on their stick at the end of the game. It's those guys, not me. But <laughs> when I would go to the game and I'd drive to the game, I'd envision that puck being on my stick. And I'm sitting there thinking, I think it's really important for every player on that roster, A, they have to be empowered by the coach. I think that that goes with all season long, showing that you got trust in your players and that you believe in them, and and that they've got a you know a role on the team, even if it is a little bit um, of a different role and, and not a consistent goal scorer. Um, because you you've got to you've got to be ready because that you might get that one shot. You might go four games as a depth player in the playoffs without a shot on goal, but you're going to get that one chance, and you you, you got to be ready for it. You got to bury it. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a real thing. I think some players, uh, they, they look to see who's going to step up. And I think that there's a special breed we've seen in the playoffs over the years of players that are bottom of the lineup type players that they step up. And I think that's uh, something you got, you got to have that game inside the game um, playing in your head as a player. And you got to keep yourself motivated for those situations. And, and certain guys can do it. So what advice then would you give to a player like, let's say Sam Lafferty, who's new to this team and is looking around and is kind of like trying to figure out their role still. Like you kind of understand if you're Sam Lafferty that, yeah, like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are going to probably have to raise their level for us to have success in these playoffs. But I don't want to be part of the problem myself. Like what, what advice would you give to a guy who's like, I know I have a small role in this, but I want to make sure that I'm part of the solution. I mean, first and foremost, your job is to not get scored upon. 
So, I mean, when you're, when you're not Mitch Marner, you're not Austin Matthews, and those guys aren't supposed to get scored on either, but you got a little bit more leeway because they, they do provide so much offensively for their team. You've got to allow them to, to take, make some offensive. They have to be calculated risks, uh, but you got to allow them to do that. You don't have that luxury necessarily if you're Sam Lafferty or a depth player on this team where um, I think you sit there and, all right, we're not, our line's not going to get scored upon when we're out there. But also you sit there, and I think that it's, it's key that every goal can change a, a series. You know, it can change a game, a little play. Um, and it's just doing those little things, letting those little things add up, just getting the pucks out when you're supposed to get them out, get them in when you're supposed to get them in, pressuring the other team's defensemen so they make maybe an errant pass. All those things will lead to a goal at some point. And um, I, I just think that it's it's about the timing of the goal. And, and you'll also look at, I remember in the playoffs, when you're in a seven-game series, yeah, you get a lot of the same matchups. You're out there a lot of the same time with the same opposing line, the same opposing D pair, and you've 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 got to outplay them. And when you look at what Tampa's fourth line and Corey Perry did in Game One, I mean, there's a perfect example. You know, you 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 need it. You can't look at it. Sam Lafferty can't look at it, and a player like that can't look at it and say, "I've got to be better than Nikita Kucherov." Like that's a, that's you don't look at it that way. I got to be better than. You know, you look across the way. I got to be, I got to be better than um, Ross Colton, or I got to be better than, you know, Corey Perry, or you know, Pierre Edouard Belmar. And I, I think that's a, a way that makes you, you know, it's again, it's kind of a game inside the game, and it's the way you got to approach it. On a larger scale, in terms of newcomers to this team, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's in a, in a kind of a tricky, interesting position, right? Because this is like a natural leader, a guy who's won a Consmite Trophy, a guy who's been the guy for a team that's won a Stanley Cup. Like, I, I'm sure he wants to assert himself, but like, you got to balance that, right? Because there's already a leadership structure. There's already a captain. There's already assistant captains. Like, what do you think Ryan O'Reilly's kind of role, what he should do, how she, should he approach this? Should he be like, hey, I'm pseudo-captain all of a sudden, and I'm going to be very, very vocal because we can't let this slip. Like, how do you think Ryan O'Reilly approaches sort of his role being a newcomer, but a guy who's just naturally a great leader? No, that's a great point. The uh, This is a guy that he leads. So if you got to lead by example, and that's what he does. And that's what makes Ryan O'Reilly great. All the little intangibles that he brings. He's not going to, he's not going to ask his teammates to do anything that he's not willing to do himself and that he doesn't do himself. But, uh, you know, I, I think that just in the general speaking terms, it's really important for leadership groups that already exist. When you bring in another big leader from another team, you got to make sure that, you know, that, that it's it's pretty well received with the rest of the team where, hey, this guy's this guy's in the part of this leadership group with us. I'm sure that's what's happened in Toronto. Um, I think they've got good leaders there. I think that, uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's one of the more respected players in the league. So, but yeah, now it's time. Yeah, I think he's been there long enough now when he's in the stretches of this. I think there's a certain level of turning to him and, and he, he may need to say something, you know, and, and maybe that was that message of, hey, Let's park game one, and we go on to game two, and, and uh, we know we're better, or whatever that message is. Or maybe it's not saying anything and just going out there and just uh, – I think a lot of times the leadership I saw in the playoffs was players that after a devastating loss, like game one, not letting it bother them. Like, you know, you go and you, 
you hop in the shower, you get showered up, you you, you change it, just normal conversations. Like, you know, life life goes on. I think that's really big because I think a lot of players sit around, they look and see how the guys that have been through it are responding. Are they kicking garbage cans over? Are they, you know, they mean mugging it at every corner of the locker room. Uh you know, that's fine if you do that every day. But if you're acting like that now, that's a bad message to send to the team. So uh, I think he can lead just by being himself, and I'm sure he is. I'm sure it's no accident that they've paired him up with uh, newcomer Matthew Knives, who's making his Scotiabank Arena debut and his Stanley Cup playoff debut tonight uh, with Michael Bunting being out of the lineup. What kind of advice do you have for a college kid who's got a lot of high expectations coming in in a big moment um, in a must-win game, game two? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I think it's just, uh, I think that's the message. And I saw this with a similar situation with Chris Kreider with the Rangers. It was back in 2012. He was fresh off of uh, his NCAA season for the uh, for Boston College. Um, he came in and he was he was one of our best players in, uh, in the playoffs. And he was like a, a shot in the arm. He was energy through and through. And he was in a position where John Tortorella couldn't—he couldn't take him out of the lineup. I mean, he gave us something, and and I think that the message is almost—it's a message of excitement. But again, that goes back to the first part of our conversation. You gotta you gotta funnel that energy the right way, and and I think that's where um, you know hopefully the, a player like Matthew Nice will. But but I think the message is why not you? Like why not you be a difference here? You know what I'm saying? Like I mean that's what I want to hear as a player. I don't want to go in there and be like oh I just want to kind of. I just want to kind of see how I fit in. Absolutely not. I want to be noticed. I want to be a difference maker. But you got to you got to funnel that the right way. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Matthew Nyes. It's something to dream about. I mean, you're talking Toronto Maple Leafs in a situation where you got to win in the playoffs, and you're getting thrown into the lineup here. And, and you know what? You'll be used in a pretty big way, I believe, with some pretty good players. So um, yeah, I think that's the message. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Um, just, just be calculated. You, you played hockey long enough, you know, Hey, this is a little risky. And if you feel that, then to make the safe play. But if you see an opportunity where, you know, and your instincts is go, you got to go. He's a great player. Yeah, and he seems like from everything we know, uh, his, his commentary in the media and all his interviews that he's a guy that has that mental toughness. He wants to be a performer. He's not going to shy away from the moment. So he's got quite the moment tonight. And, uh, the opportunity arose when Michael Bunting, um, was suspended for three games. I wonder your initial thoughts on the length of the suspension for a guy with no previous suspension history was fined once um, for, uh, I guess, diving or embellishment at one point, but no previous suspension. And this is a big moment in the playoffs, and he's been uh, he's going to be out for three games. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I don't think I probably need to say this, but I, it was just an unnecessary play. Mm-hmm. I think it's fresh. I think that's a frustrating part about it. Um, but suspension to to be honest with you, yeah, it is a little bit longer than I thought. I thought I, I thought it was definitely going to be one game, you know, and and and, and with the player on the opposing team, you know, Eric Chernak is is injured and looks to be out as well for uh, for game two. I think that comes into play. Um, so I thought, all right, he's going to get a, a game. I'd probably say maybe two. But I wouldn't imagine any more than two. Three is pretty significant. And I remember, I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, I got suspended. <laughs> Ironically, last my last NHL game, um, I got suspended in. And uh, but it was, uh, you know, I I got it was two two games left from the regular season. And and the idea was always, I don't know if it's still prevalent now, but regular season games are, you know, one for one. It's it is what it is. But playoff games, 
a one game suspension is is kind of the exchange rate for a playoff game. It's supposed to be like a two game suspension. So I mean, you're you're telling me that that's a six game suspension? I, I don't I don't think that they player safety goes by that that ideal uh, idea all the t- all the time. But generally speaking, it's kind of like the exchange rate. And I, it was aggressive, but I mean, I, I think it's the same thing I've always thought, and I think players think just be consistent with it. So if this comes up again in the playoffs somewhere. I'm sure it will in this long playoff season. I would expect a pretty stiff punishment again. Hopefully the stiff punishment negates plays like that. But uh, yeah, a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat there. Uh, the multiplier usually is in place for, you know, a regular season for a repeat offender. And this is the postseason for a guy who, again, has not been suspended for a hit before in his career. Um, not to be callous, but I guess, you know, there is an exchange here with Michael Bunting being out and Eric Chernak being out. Uh, and it's a possibility that uh, Victor Hedman is also unavailable. I think he's officially a game-time decision for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning without Hedman and Cernak. Like, it goes without saying, it must be exploited. But, like, what sort of position does this put in ta- put Tampa in without these two horses? Yeah, so their they're Achilles heel for me this year has been a decor. And, and not that it's a bad decor, it's just not as deep as what it was before. And, you know, last year they, unfortunately, because of the salary cap, had to part ways of, with Ryan McDonough, which was a huge factor for this team um, in its, its cup runs. Um, you know, Eric Chernak is their most uh, physical defenseman. Uh, they, they're without Jan Ruta from last year, too, ends up being in Pittsburgh. So they, 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 they lost some depth here where if you're without Chernak, that's a big hole. Without Hedman, that might be the one guy in your in your skating lineup, putting aside Andre Vasilevsky in goal. That might be the one guy you can't afford to have out. And so, I mean, that's... It's put a lot of pressure on Sergachev. It's putting a lot of pressure on uh, the depths of their of their decor. And I, I think if you're Toronto, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah. And again, to your point, you don't want to be callous with this, but it, it, it's the situation is the situation. You've got to go and just you got to pick on their D. You got to if you're sitting there and they're trying to you know, up at the blue line, put the puck behind them and go get them and wear on them, make them make plays. So. I would expect that to be the game plan here, depending on what happens with Victor Hedman. I mean, this could this could shift the the series in its own in its own right. So um, I think to, you know Toronto's got to take advantage of that and do everything they can to have some some long offensive zone time and, and make them defend. I guess it, it's situational. It comes down to who you know your viewpoint on it. But uh, if you did deem, or if you've ever deemed that a coach was too focused on matchups, how does that impact? a team and a group and how you're playing in a game. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's changed a little bit where a lot of the matchups nowadays are more oriented with the defensemen on the other team, right? Like, okay, we want to go against Austin Matthews. We're going to put, we want to make sure this decor's out there. We'd like these forwards to be out there, but we understand if they're not, but this decor has got to be out there against him or, or whatever the example is. Um, it, 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 I think it helped doing it that way, at least for the forwards, because nothing's worse than when a coach is so married to these matchups that you can't get into a flow of a game. I jump over the board to take two strides. I'm around taking inventory of the ice instead of playing. You know what I mean? I'm out. Who's out here? You know, do I have to change? Who's coming over their boards? You know, you're always aware of those things, but um, chasing matchups is a dangerous game because it takes players out of the flow. I think the playoffs are about the flow. It's about uh, the four lines rolling, the six D going, 
and just trying to find a good groove and having everybody involved so you can have you know 18 skaters all uh having the opportunity to be able to shoot so um yeah it's a it's a tough one and uh i think that the good coaches have some plans of how to get the matchups they want without without changing the the mojo of the team i don't know who first coined this one but they do say that you uh the real self is revealed during times of stress or danger and the playoffs are the times of stress and danger for an nhl player and i feel like you know too often i mean if it's contractual we talk about 82 games we don't necessarily talk about the playoffs but i feel like the playoffs should loom larger it when we when we are like evaluating players is this the time where you do define yourself as a player like from a legacy standpoint yes but like we're talking about, you know, the futures of core players, the futures of guys like Morgan Riley. Maybe if this doesn't work, we we what needs to happen? Who needs to go out next year? Should we be looking exclusively at what happens in these playoffs, in previous playoffs, and kind of just throwing out, especially in the position that the Maple Leafs are in, what we do see across eighty-two games? I mean, yeah, I think so. I want players. I mean, that's you. You said that before in this conversation that you you look around and players are stepping up their game. So, um, you know, winning in the regular season is is great. I mean, there's 82 games where you know you got to put yourself in a position, but you also play to win a cup, and you got to find another level. If you if you're a player that has one level and one level only, um. Again, that's that's great, but then when you get to the playoffs, what do you what do you do? You know, like you're just not going to play that player. But you know what I'm saying? Like you've got to, uh, you want you want that junkyard dog mentality where it's 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 grabbing more, wanting more, demanding more. And um, yeah, I, I think that's that's really important when you're building a hockey team to see that this guy. Um, I, I I go back. I grew up in the Devils organization and Lou Lamarillo. Uh, you know, the Hall of Fame GM would have a treadmill test. And this treadmill test in training camp every year, it felt stupid. I mean, it just did. You're on a treadmill and you're walking with an incline. And I think it was like a two-minute interval. Then the incline would go up, the speed would go up a little bit more. So, like, for the first, like, six minutes, you're walking. And by the end of it, I mean, you're going uphill at a pretty good, at a pretty good incline. And you're walking extremely fast. And you get that in between, that uncomfortable. Do I jog? Do I run? Am I walking? And you're kind of doing both. And they have guys standing around the, the, the treadmill getting ready to, to catch you. And you're like, this is, this is this is weird. But the, the point of it is he wanted to see how uncomfortable you can get without giving up. right? And then after like the six or eight minute mark, it was just hang on mode. And most of the, the good scores are like in around 13 minutes or whatever. I remember when I was doing this test. I was doing this test before the draft. And it's when you're a kid, you think you work hard, but you don't really know what hard work is yet. And I remember I was doing it, and I would run, I'm, I'm running on this treadmill uphill, and then I just put my feet on the side and grab the handles, and I go, all right, I'm good. And the guy that was standing there, one of the scouts, starts screaming at me, get back on the treadmill. Get back on. I start running again. I run for another 15 seconds. I'm good. And it's like, no, no, no. That whole point of that test is to see – can players squeeze more out of themselves? Can they find another level? I probably failed it that day, but I learned that I had to get to that level, right? And uh, I think that that's what playoff hockey is. Can you get another level? If you can't, you, there's a door, you know? 
I don't want to take that test, but I completely understand the logic of it. You know, like if it gets your back up against the wall already in a game two, you know, you already admitted there was some pressure and some nerves when Maple Leafs started on Tuesday in game one. Like how can you elevate your game when it's even higher tonight? Like it is unfortunately and crazy enough, it feels like a must win at Scotiabank Arena tonight. You can't go down 0-2 down to Tampa Bay. So can the players elevate? I think it's a really good point. And, you know, you're a Stanley Cup champ. <laughs> you would know. Um, NHL Network analyst as well. So it means you're covering all over the league. I want to ask uh, what's grabbed your attention across some other series. Um, and there were some surprising road teams with some big wins to start. Uh, bounce back opportunities for some of the favorites. What's been the most intriguing for you? I mean, honestly, at this point, I think it's probably been the Florida Panthers. What they've done uh, last night was was impressive. Um, I mean, they've played. I mean, to get a split right now was big, but I mean, it very easily could have gone the other way, even in Game One. I mean, they could be up two zero. I mean, that's could have, would have, should have, but it's. Uh, I didn't see that coming. I mean, this Boston Bruins team is setting records. They look unstoppable, but that's the playoffs. So I, I think that this is a perfect example that, you know what, even maybe one of the other coaches and the other teams can use as an example. Like, you're going to go through some stuff in the playoffs. Every playoff series is going to have – there's the ebbs and flows. The one series that we probably thought would never have that is Boston, Florida. But Florida's putting up a fight here. Like, you're going to get punched in the mouth in the playoffs. So how you, how, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? That kind of caught my eye because, you know, Matthew Kachuk – uh, like you mentioned before, I mean this this guy this guy should be a finalist for a Hart Trophy. Um, he drags his team in. We knew this when he was in Calgary. He's still doing it again down here, and I think that's one that's really really caught my eye. I wonder if there's something and last one for you before we let you go um, about the Florida Panthers. They had to crawl their way or scratch their way really into the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know they were kind of out of it for a while. Then Mr. Kachuk came in the media and said that this team is embarrassing and they need to play harder, et cetera, et cetera. And they did. And I wonder if that gave them the push they needed to start off this series. And if you contrast that with Maple Leafs, who knew they were in the first round against Tampa Bay for months, and I wonder if that's kind of the switch that needed to be flipped. No, I agree. I agree. And it's, um, you know, it's it, being called soft as a hockey player is like the worst thing mm-hmm. ever. I mean, I remember as a kid, you get in trouble. My mom would, if my mom was mad at me. Um, you know, I could deal with that. But when my mom said she's disappointed in me, it was like the worst thing ever. Right. Like, so I think it's like the same thing when you're being called soft, like you can get yelled at, but if you can call me soft. You're going to challenge me as a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And that's what they Walt did in the media, obviously. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, – I just think that it's – yeah, it's sometimes you need you need to get pushed in that way and, and uh, you need to respond. I think that's what playoff hockey is. It's about responses. And you and the great thing, too, is you can uh, rewrite the script pretty quick because pretty quick you're playing every other night, and that's a good feeling. You don't have to let this sulk for a long period of time. Like, you're right back at it, and you're in that mode. So it's a good thing. It's exactly the mode that the Maple Leafs are in, and hopefully they rise to the occasion tonight. Uh, Mike, appreciate you taking the time this morning. Great to chat, and hopefully we chat with you down the road. All right, thanks. Thanks so much. That's Mike Rupp, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champ, and NHL Network analyst and host of the That's Hockey Podcast. Or That's Hockey Talk Podcast, sorry. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit Don Valley North Lexus. Dot com. Yeah, but I wasn't completely sure where he was going with that treadmill analogy. Oh, I started just picturing how awful this was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, forget sweating. the beep test. So we're going to do that for the next uh, show bet. But yeah, um, there is something revealing about the Stanley Cup playoffs. It reveals who you are. Same way mm-hmm. the treadmill does.
How Oof. hard are you going to push for it? Unfortunately, it kind of comes down to that in a lot of ways. Like talent is obviously a must-have, but you've got to want it. You have to sacrifice everything for it. I know that's cliche and the stuff that we romanticize, but it's true. You can't treat a playoff game like a regular season game and expect everyone to just meet you at that level and it to be played at an 8 out of 10. These are 10s out of 10s. They're 11s out of 10s. They're 12s out of 10s. It's a next level, and you got to rise to it. There's the next level again. Shout out, to, Blue Jays. shout out to the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, Maple Leafs are in that opportunity tonight. They should be seeing it as an opportunity and not, as we put it, don't lose this game. You got to win this game, and that's how you should be going out. Let's go win this game. Uh, we'll talk about our confidence concerns, how we can feel confident in that first five minutes, because I think couldn't be more important, right? Get out to the strong start that, the Tampa Bay Lightning did because it puts you in a hole and it's tough to dig your way out of. Um, virtual must win tonight. Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning. No Toronto Blue Jays is there on a trip to New York, which they'll kick off tomorrow against the Yankees. And we'll go through some NBA and NHL playoffs tonight. The beam team with an opportunity to go up 3 nothing. Our beam team, can they do it? <sighs> on the heels of... Head coach, unanimous coach of the year voting. The vibes are high, Justin. I don't know if they're high enough for a 3-0 start to the series, but we'll go through all that next in the wake and rake. Send in your picks to 590-590. We'll get to that. Put together our parlay on the other side of the break. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I don't know about you, Ailish, but I woke up this morning thinking old Elon's finally going to remove certain mm. something from my Twitter account. And I'll, Did you check? And yet, we still got those blue check marks. Huh. Like, when is this going to happen? Just do it. I'm over this. How many times do we have to go through the cycle of people getting mad about their check marks going away? I'm looking right now. I still got mine. Oh, it's my T, God. It's T's 420s. The last, like, it's the happening last. today. Just do it already. We're not paying for it. What is the price? The outrage every single mark. time there's some sort of update on it is so annoying. Let's just do it. Not that anyone cares. No, that's that's the point, actually. No one cares. What is the, the price again? Seven, eight, nine dollars? it's like eight bucks a month. Okay, so... Yes, he's supposed to steal all our blue check marks, and now we are non-verified humans. Nothing we say can be verified. It's going to be chaos. It's just chaos. You can do whatever you want. You can Outlaws be whoever you want. There. You can do whatever you want on it's Twitter be, now. I, sh- I don't want to give anyone ideas. <laughs> so today was supposed to be the day, and yet it hasn't happened yet, but let's just say it's 830 in the morning. There's going to be maybe some Elon grand on the West Coast. He's waiting till we're all wakey-wakey. All his Silicon Valley guys are up. Oh, man. Even though I feel like if you're in Silicon Valley, you're up already. Like, you, you're a grinder. You're getting up 4.30. You think? You're hitting the gym. I don't know. I think you're, that maybe you know they're what? at the if gym. You know what? If you're a Silicon Valley guy, you're doing that treadmill test every day. Mike yeah. Rupp, you're a grinder. You're you, like succession you, on steroids. Yeah, you know the perfect way to burn body fat at the precise oh, hour. You don't even have body fat if you're Silicon Valley. No, you can't. can't afford to. You live in a house You'll with be shunned glass from society. windows. You drive your Tesla to work. Actually, I think, we, no I think we got it wrong. I think it's a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Bunch of nerds deciding whether random people can have or not have a blue check yeah, mark beside not, their name. He's not the, the cool person I was explaining. He's 
Anywho. Um, Just get it over with. So, yeah, so far we've, we've still got blue check marks, folks. So, wow. Congrats to us. Lucky us. Luxury. I'm going to tweet some cool stuff out. Are you going to look down upon those who so pay for it? I actually think this is a this is an interesting test in our society now. Certain people have to, though. So I'm Like, I'm, Elliot has to have a Okay, so check. Elliot, I think, is allowed. <laughs> allowed. I think Elliot is justified in paying for Twitter Blue because it's Elliot. I don't want some other person named Elliot... Friedman to make an account. There'll be 40 accounts. There'll be Elliot Friedman's, Elliot Fridgeman's, everything. And it's <laughs> and it's going to be so hard to know who's who. So Elliot should probably buy the blue check mark. I'm sure Sportsnet, we could do a little GoFundMe to get all of our insiders some blue check marks. But like, who cares if we have a blue check mark, right? Nah, well, I don't care. There could be some fake alishes, though. Nah. Bounding about. But like, okay, so let's say. The rest of our hosts at 590 decide to get blue check marks. We kind of have to. Like, it's peer pressure a little bit. I think we should stand on this hill. No, are we going to go no check mark team? But, like... It does, it's so dumb. But at I'm the same not, time... I'm, I'm personally not paying for it. Like, I just don't care. No, no, There's no I get way. that. But you're right. There are some people that are going to need it. And they're, they're going to have to buy it. And we're all going to look at them and be like, wow, hey, you bought, you bought a blue check mark. Oh, you're that important, huh? Yeah, that's cool. All right. They'll be the they'll be the tier that you don't even think about it, and then there'll be that middle tier where you're like, really? You, really, you thought, okay, cool. Oh, there'll be people. Yeah, there's going to be people who clearly, clearly have purchased it for no reason, other than to fund Elon's mistakes. Well, I've mistakes. seen those people now where I get a response because you have like when you you have that verified column, and I'm like, who the hell is this? And I click the person, <laughs> and they have. 12 followers. I was like, oh, you bought the blue check mark and you scared me because I thought you were some insider that was coming after me, but you're mm. just, you know, Richard from Cambridge that didn't like my take, but I thought, oh my God, this guy must work for some outlet. I mean, you can do whatever you want with your money, but it'll be interesting if today is actually the day that we, our blue check marks are rips, ripped from our hands. It's time, I think, finally. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, just kidding, we're going to do it next month and we're going to talk about it for another month because we want to promote Twitter Blue. He did say he was going to do it on 420 too. It's like, sick. Just a massive troll. Troll with too much money. We'll see. We'll see. Could, we could be coming on tomorrow morning without a blue check mark. I hope you still listen to the Fan Morning Show if Justin and I aren't verified on Twitter. I really hope that we can still hold your attention and your trust in our takes, okay? Please. Stick with us. We're still the same people it's, without it's a blue, a blue check, check mark. mark. All right. Uh, game two tonight, Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning, 7 p.m. puck drop. Uh, we'll have pregame and postgame on 590 as well with our buddy Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick, who we chatted with today. Gunner was fired up. He's still got Michael Bunting in his heart. We won't see Michael Bunting for three games. We will see Matthew Nyes make it. Well, okay. 99.0% that we will see Matthew Nyes. Tonight, looks like he might be on the third line with Ryan O'Reilly. We've seen a little bit of line changes. We're going to see Ilya Samsonov as Keith came out and said, oh, yes, by the way, I am starting Ilya Samsonov. I didn't mean to sound flaky about it mm -hmm. after the game on Tuesday when I said, it's too early to tell, which I thought was strange, comment coming from your head coach who's saying, it's too early to tell if we'll put Joseph Wall in net for game two. Samsonov seems like he's getting the start as... Sheldon Keefe has gone out and said it. Yeah, another one of those takebacks from Sheldon Keefe, which are becoming more and more routine, unfortunately. Uh, not that it really had to take anything back, but yeah, it was a very strange. It was the strangest moment from the press conference. You I think? Mean, it's uh, to, to 
like it's again, it's all about confidence. It's all about confidence for off. us. I think he. I don't think he like intentionally was like. I don't know. I'm gonna keep oh, you on your toes, that media. Was, that was easy. That's uh, he's our guy. It's three. Oh, it was he's a missed opportunity. Guy. Yeah, it's three words, and that's all he needed to uh, say in that moment. Uh, so yeah, what. W- w- does that affect Ilya in every in any way? Mm, I don't really know, but it not. is worth discussing. Confidence. I think we should do a little confidence power ranking okay. in terms of like the individual players facing something tonight. We'll do it together, collaborative. No countdown. We'll count up. We'll start with number one. Do we agree? Samsonov. Ilya Samsonov has the most. He's dealing so with is the word pressure. Tonight. I think it's pressure. Sorry, did I say confidence? I think yeah. pressure. Those and are kind like, of different. They're kind of well. They, <laughs> they interact with each other. If you're facing the pressure, your confidence is you know. Uh, yeah, you're right. No, it's pressure. completely different. So it's pressure we're doing? Get a dictionary. Who has the most pressure on them tonight is the question. Ilya Number Samsonov. one, it is Ilya Samsonov. Yeah, without question. Unfortunately, he did not have a great start to his Maple Leafs postseason debut. That's fine. He's been a guy that has been steady throughout the season. Like the, When we came in, we had this goaltending debate, and we tried to start this debate many times. Well, I don't know. Is there a controversy when Matt Murray would have one good game? Okay, then Joseph Wall came in a few times. Oh, is there a controversy? No, it's been Samsonov's net for the last two months. And he earned that and he has shown so much faith. Both sides, the team has shown faith in him. Least Nation has shown faith in him. And I think he's believed in himself. Last opportunity out Tuesday was not the showing we want to see. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you need to have good goaltending, especially when Andre Vasilevsky's on the other side of the net. You got to steal a game. That could be tonight. I got to see a huge bounce back from Ilya Samsonov, and especially after he said it himself, he was crap. So an eight eighty eight save percentage in eight career postseason starts. We just talked to Mike Rupp about how hey, maybe the postseason does define you, and maybe the Washington Capitals decided the wa- that the postseason does define Ilya Samsonov. Now he wasn't like a brilliant goaltender by any stretch of the imagination with the Washington Capitals in the regular season. But, like, first-round pick, ties, you know, a Russian guy playing for a team that has Alexander Ovechkin on it. Like, why didn't that work out? Maybe they saw seven career playoff starts and eight career playoff appearances and thought, this guy we cannot win with. And I think that has to be a concern. I think the number one, like, confidence thing, and again, we're, we're separating those two from a Leaf fan perspective, is what are we going to see from Ilya? And I think if you are Ilya Samsonov, how are you dealing with the pressure internally of... I have never been good in this scenario and I need to be way better than I was and way better than I have been. He's number one in terms of pressure for sure. Especially after getting off to a tough start in game one, like the Tampa Bay lightning were up early and it started to kind of cave in. I will say he had no support in the defensive zone. Like it wasn't just prolific goals by Tampa Bay lightning. Like he was kind of hung out to dry at times yeah, that's a factor, but there were some saves that are lack of saves that were a dagger in the Maple Leafs. So he had many opportunities to make a big save and fail to. He made one big save in the entire game and was pulled. And so that can't be the case tonight. So yeah, Ilya Samsonov, number one. Okay, it gets interesting at two. Okay, so I have two ways that this can go. I'm throwing you a curveball and I'm saying Sheldon Keefe. Okay, I'll accept that. Give me your rationale though. He was out coached on Tuesday night. He took the opportunity that was presented to him with home ice advantage and squandered it by playing little matchup games and saying, okay, well, you can control, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react to you, John Cooper, instead of coming out there and saying, I'm putting Austin Matthews out 
whenever I want because he's the best player on the ice, right? It, it kind of like, it kind of skewed the game a little bit. Now he's got pressure because he's switched the lines up, which is something that we discussed on Tuesday as being maybe not the first card to be played. And it has been played already if they play the lines that we saw yesterday in practice. So it's a lot of pressure because if this doesn't work out, you've now you've kind of like wasted the opportunity for two games to have some cohesion. And now you're going to go down to Tampa Bay and what change the lines up again, three times in three games. I think there's a big opportunity at hand to win the game on the bench. Well, that's the thing. I think he can just alleviate the pressure on himself, which I think he is applying to himself Mm -hmm. by just opening the door, sending them over the boards. You don't have to play the matchup game. You've Kyle Dubas, who put the best team that we've seen maybe ever with the Maple Leafs yeah. in like the, the modern puzzle era. pieces. Just place Just them. put them, them out go. there on the ice and try to inspire them. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the pressure really sinks in is like, how can I get this group going? What's the best tact? What's What route am I going to take to get this team to actually perform at its level, at its ceiling? Because that's what needs to happen. I think, again, I think he faces more confidence or consequence rather mm-hmm. than pressure. But yeah, I'm willing to put him at number two. I had it like two A, two B. When we're when when there's like Sportsnet's panning the camera, bad moments. Oh, it's on it's him. going straight to his red face, right? Mm-hmm. It's going straight to it. It's happening. There's a lot, a lot of pressure. And you were given that free pass to put Nyes in the, the lineup. So we're not going to be like you made the wrong choice of putting Nyes in the lineup. Nyes is coming in the lineup because of Michael Bunting. Mm-hmm. So here's your little free pass. Now, how do you use it? Okay, let's put him in at 2A. 2A and 2B's Marner. I agree with you. Yeah. Marner's the second for me. And Marner's the second for me. I, I don't know why Austin Matthews gets kind of a free pass a little bit. A little bit. Maybe just because he plays, mm. like, incrementally better than Mitch Marner. Like, when we when we criticize both of them, we're like, well, Matthew, like, Matthews is pretty good. But pretty good is not enough. But Marner's, like, a totally different person sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you can't even, like recognize him unrecognizable sometimes he's an all-star rock star does everything every situation all the, the time MVP of the regular season for in for the Leafs in the regular season now what and in the playoffs it's just like okay what well, you're not like doing any of that stuff anymore so I think there should be a lot of pressure and the person who wears the pressure more the unbothered thing with Matthews it bothers me mm-hmm. that he's unbothered like I'd like to see him pissed off every now and then but like you can see it on Mitch Marner's face that he's already playoff Mitch where he's wearing the pressure in the stakes, on his shoulders, and in his answers. I guarantee that Mitch Marner is feeling the pressure more than Austin Matthews. Maybe he shouldn't, but pressure to be Mitch Marner, I'm with that. And then for sure next is Matthews. You need to be the best player on the ice. That's the end of the sentence. Like, you need to go out there every shift and dominate the ice. And you can. You are the Hart Trophy winner. You are one of the best players on the planet we just saw the best players on the planet over for the Edmonton Oilers dominate a game. They had a full-on domination station last night. They had a massive bounce back from a loss to the LA Kings, and they did it. And it seems simple just to say be the best player on the ice, but you have to be tonight. There's no way that Tampa's mucking it up with Corey Perry, and we're talking about Corey Perry tomorrow. We need to be talking about Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Ilya Samsonov, and the coaching decisions. That's the end. And not, not like saying he doesn't care, because he does. I guarantee you that. But you have to, like, it's got to be written all over your body language and with every action you make. It's got to be exaggerated. You have to go out and get it if you're Austin Matthews mm-hmm. because you're too big, too talented, too good to look like this doesn't bother you. Number five, where are you at? Oh, God, I, didn't, I don't Matthew know. Matthew Nyes? No, God, no. Morgan Riley? Mm. 
possibly. John Tavares? <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly? No. No, nah, man, Ryan O'Reilly. Just... I'm going to say Morgan Riley. Okay. Will, would be my vote because you're still the guy who makes seven and a yeah, half. You need to put right? someone from the defense in you're this. You're making yeah. seven and a half, and you've leaned on this little safety net that's been created for you through Jake McCabe. These guys holding it up on either end, Jake McCabe and TJ Brody, Mark Giordano to a certain extent. Well, you're the best one out of everyone. Like, you're the most talented guy. You make the most money, bringing in seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's got to, like, manifest itself onto the ice. Yep. And you've been here since day one, longer than everybody else. You've mm-hmm. experienced all this heartbreak. You're the one that's, you know, like, I respect everything he says and how he approaches everything. Could, I, if there's one guy I'd be happiest for, if they have success, it's probably Morgan Riley. I agree with that. But Morgan Riley has to show that he's a lead dog. And with Victor Hedman potentially out, that you were the best defenseman on the ice. Morgan Riley should be feeling some of that pressure tonight. My vote would go to him. Okay. I agree with that. I'll take that as well. All right. There's your top, top five. No pressure. <laughs> we could go 10. We could go 15. We basically everybody should basically, be feeling yeah, some. Pressure I mean, I would, I, you said nice, and I like, no chance. I could just go out there and play free. No, I actually if, want like, him to feel no pressure. If I want a guy's going to go, be like spilling his coffee on the way in, it's Matthew Nice. Yeah, but I don't think he deserves to feel that. That's I think nerves, he goes in there and says, I. Just want to play the best hockey that I have been when I played NCAA, when I was one of the best players in the league. Like, he should feel confidence mm-hmm. because he's been given a pass here almost to come in and just play. It's, it's a free role to play if you're Keith. It's yeah. a free role for him. Like, just, you can kind of, like, yeah. And that's what Mike Rupp said. He said, just go in there and, like, play hockey, enjoy it. And that if, if everyone just did that and if Keith allowed that, I mm. think that's the best place they would be in. Yeah. If you guys just play hard, you're good. Yeah. Go do it. Can you, though? All right. This leads right into the Wake and Rake because they're in my picks. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right. There's no other way for me but Leafs and regulation. Tonight's the night. We just teed it up. It is bounce back central. Leafs in reg. I'm not even doing money line. I feel that confident about this team having the resilience and mental fortitude led by all of those players who are not going to crumble. And it is a different story. I feel it. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. We're doing it. Maple Leafs in regulation minus 103. It's just like it's it's so good. Do it. God, I'm seeing minus 175 on the money. Line. Yeah, straight like, money line is nuts. Minus 175. Oh, so boy. let's just go regulation. They're not. They're going to get it done. In a timely fashion, what's and, your pick? And do we trust them in overtime anyway? No. Uh, I will also stay with the regulation theme. Okay. Vegas has to bounce back. Plus one ten. I, I could ex- I could really see a you know a four one victory pretty mm-hmm. clean on Vegas's uh, side tonight. Uh, hard to beat a team twice in a row on the road. Tampa might be able to do that. Uh, but Vegas, I, I think they got to hold serve here or at least hold serve uh, in game two because uh, pretty dire for them as well. They need this one. And I think they get that good effort under Bruce Cassidy, who's coach you can probably rely on at this point. Okay, I'm going to rip through a couple of picks here um, from our Awake and Rake text line. Tim Tom from the Schwa says, 76ers minus four and a half on the spread. Seems low for such a mismatch and Avs bounce back on the puck line. Good morning. This is Wendell Clark's mustache. Uh, sorry to say this, but the best place we have ever played in our career was Tampa. The morning ocean breeze tickling my whiskers like no other. What the hell? Tampa two nothing series lead tonight. I was like scared to. I was like <laughs> waiting for like. This. Was waiting for like some profanity there. Uh, the Tampa money money line. Uh, don't tell Wendell. I said that. 
he'll shave me off. What is that text, man? Wendell, he's uh, fired up this morning. ATP Munich, uh, we're going Taylor Fritz in straight sets over Martin Fuskovic. Fritz is number 10 in the world and has made the semis last week. So that's Fritz in straight sets. That's Neil in Newfoundland. Uh, good morning, Wake and Rake. Sacktown plus six wow. versus Golden State. No, Ron and Jules won't like that one, but they're rolling with Sacramento. No name on that one. Okay, expects a real close game and second in the NBA on the road. Okay, beam team, baby. Uh, Ailish and Justin, I'm going to play heel and go with the Kings to steal game three over the Warriors. Sorry, not sorry, Ron and Jules. That's Curry or Chris in Oakville. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh, a pick in the Zurich Classic. Uh 82-man teams. Like, we didn't pick the Zurich Classic. We don't like the Zurich Classic. Sorry. But this, Jared from Halifax, has Tom, Kim, and Siwoo Kim to beat Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. I believe they're the defending champs. That's an interesting pick. Uh, Tom, the Kims are definitely underdogs. Uh, but Jared in Halifax likes them. Okay, two more quickly. Wake and Rake is Leafs on the money line. That's Jagan Scarborough. Love it. And then Ron and Jules are in here saying Leafs on the money line as well. Warriors minus five and a half, of course. That's Ron and Jules. Oh, sorry, one more. Ian Snowplow Driver says... Monk over 16 and a half points tonight. Yeah, Malik Monk was a stud, at least in game one for Sacramento. Um, what do we like here? Uh, wow, there's so much beam team love. Do we go Sacramento plus six? Wow. God, I thought we'd get like, I thought we'd get so like So there's eight. lots of love for the beam team. And honestly, that's kind of, that's the reoccurring thing. Do we go against Ron and Jules? I mean, they're kind of our best friends, but we might have to do it. 76ers minus four and a half is also an option. I'm letting you choose, buddy. Beam team. Beam team. Wow. What? Plus five and a half? Beam team plus six. Maybe tease it up. Uh, plus six. six? Yeah. Is that what you want? Yeah, we got to roll. Okay. Plus six. All right. Lock it in. Here we go. Here's your wake and rake today. Leafs in regulation. Vegas in regulation. That's the Golden Knights. And Sacramento Kings, the beam team, plus six on the points. Spread. Hey, there we go. We could still have the Warriors win, but the beam team to cover. That's plus 670 tonight. Woo. A lot of plus money play. Wow. You know what 670 is? 1967. You got to stop with that. No, that's good. It's a good vibe. We're <laughs> changing things around, okay? What is that ever a good vibe? Well, it's, it's time to write a new script. Okay. Well, it's been a couple years in the making. Now. All right. Maple Leafs tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have pre and post game show here on Sportsnet 590 Fan with Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick. This is it. We come back tomorrow morning. Series tied up. On a Friday, vibes would be high. Talk to you then.